Morning's reading tells us how Jesus empowers his disciples, who had been with him as he performed many healing miracles, so that they could become healers too. The reading begins at Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. This is on page 974 of the Pew Bible. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into this harvest. Jesus called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and illness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, Drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff. For the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, Give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the last day of judgment than for that town. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, he is shrewd as snakes, innocent. Thank you, Stephen. Do keep that passage open. I'm going to work through it. I wonder if you've ever sat in church listening to a sermon and thought, I'm really glad so-and-so is here today because they really need to hear this. Or gone home and lamented the fact that a particular person wasn't there because the sermon was just what they needed. Well, I'm afraid there is no scope for that today. This passage isn't about what Jesus wants to say to some of us or a lesson that God thinks some people here need to get their heads around. This passage is for all of us. There is not one person in this room this doesn't directly apply. So let's pray before we look. 
Father, we pray that you would have our um, ears open to hear from you today. You would have our eyes open to see the truth in your word. And you would have our hearts open to be changed by you, that we would recognize what you are saying to us as individuals in this word today. Amen. Now, the reason I started with that health warning is that I think this in particular is a passage that we can read and think it applies to some people and not all. It's a very clear sending out for the purpose of evangelism. And I'm sure if we took a poll this morning, few people here would say that evangelism was something they felt God was calling them to head out and do. But right at the beginning of the passage, Jesus makes it clear that this is about all not some of us, which hopefully you'll see in a minute. These verses are a manual for evangelism. Unfortunately, though, it's not the sort of manual that says if you do this and this and this, people will flock into the kingdom. There is no formula that says if you put on this program, follow this script, make sure people read this book, your pews will be filled with eager baby Christians. Fact passage is the opposite. It doesn't tell us how to get people into the kingdom. In fact, it tells us that some people won't want to come. There are very few instructions about what we should do, but I think there are five very clear instructions about what we shouldn't. First one is, don't pray if you won't go. Don't pray if you won't go. Look at the last paragraph of chapter 9. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus looks at his people and he just feels sad for them. They're just wandering around, lost, aimless, with no one to guide them down the right path. And he knows that he can't do it all himself. He can't possibly get to every person in Israel and spend enough time with them for them to see the truth of who he is and their need for him. He can see the potential. There are thousands and thousands of people that could be reached with the good news. But he needs help. So he tells the disciples that they need to pray that God would send workers out, send people out into the fields to bring in the harvest. And none of us have a problem with that. We agree and heartily join in with the cry Lord, send people out into our world to shine your light in the darkest places. And we rightly pray for those who've been called. We ask God to protect them, to bless them, to provide for them, to bring fruit from their ministries. Next Sunday is our Mission Focus Sunday, when we will think about those people we support and organisations. And it's absolutely right that we do that. But look back at your Bibles. And let's pretend for a moment that there isn't a big number 10 there. Read again from verse 37. Then he just said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. 
Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and illness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out following instructions. You see what happened? Jesus told his disciples to pray that God would send someone out, and then he sent them. Don't pray. You won't go. The lesson here is that all, that all we need to be prepared... The lesson here is that we all need to be prepared to be the answer to our own prayer. Too often our response to a call to evangelism is, here I am, please send someone else. Now that's not to say that God is calling each of us to deepest Africa or out to the tribes in the Amazon rainforest. But what it is saying is that none of us can sit back and expect God to send someone else everywhere. We each need to be prepared to answer that call to go out into the harvest field and do the work. Remembering that the streets of our village and our town are as much the harvest field as the rainforest is. There is no corner of this earth that is not God's harvest field, full of potential for hearts to be won for the kingdom. But when we pray for God to send workers into the field, are we actually expecting him to send missionaries to little old trolls? Doubt many of us really are. So if we're not expecting, if are we then expecting just a few from our church family to take care of our corner of the field? Well, if we're not prepared to be the answer to our own prayer, then that's what we're actually saying. We're saying there are, there are a few here who are good at that. They can worry about it. Don't pray. If you won't go, don't pray for God to be at work drawing people into the kingdom here in our village or town if you're not prepared to do some of that work yourself. Don't pray if you won't go. Don't go where you're not sent. Don't go where you're not sent. I don't know about you, but when we have people in to talk about the mission they're involved in, I get a tiny bit jealous. So when Heidi and Bosco have been here and talked about the work they've done with the boys from the slums in Uganda, I've had moments when I've thought, why couldn't God have called me to that? That sounds really great, really exciting, stuck in, really seeing the gospel transform lives. Or when Mervyn talks about the Belgrade Bible School, and I just think, what a great thing to be part of. I'd love to do that. Maybe I should go. But in reality, I know I'd chicken out a long time before I got there. So maybe the thing I'm actually jealous of is people's willingness to go wherever they're sent. And I wonder what I've missed out on because I've said no, or would have if God had asked. But the very first instruction Jesus gives the disciples when he sends them out is don't go where you're not sent. Don't go among the Gentiles or any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Don't go where I'm not sending you. The time would come when he would tell them to go further, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
The time would come when the mission of the church would be to the Gentiles. But right now, mission was to the lost sheep of Israel. In just a few chapters' time, Jesus himself will declare that his own mission is not to the Gentiles, but to the lost of Israel. Now we see times in the Gospels when Jesus does spend time with Samaritans and Gentiles. He clearly still cares for them and knows that their time will come. But first, his lost sheep need to hear. Israel needs to be given the chance to return to God and recognize Jesus as their Messiah. He knew they wouldn't, as we'll see in a minute. And he knew that this was part of the plan. When Jesus tells the parable of the tenants in the vineyard, he makes it clear to the listening Pharisees that the kingdom will be taken from them and given to others. They have to have the opportunity to return first. All the Gentiles are called in. So right now, the place Jesus wants the disciples working is with Israel. Where does God want you reaching out to right now? While what others are doing might look more enticing or seem more fruitful or feel more significant, is it really where God wants you? When I was 18, I was confirmed, and my dad gave me a big leather Bible. Um, And at some point in the next four or five years, and I can't really remember when, I was given a story, and it touched me so much that I actually wrote it on the inside cover of my Bible. Let me read it to you. Once upon a time, there was an old man who used to go to the ocean to do some writing. He had a habit of walking on the beach every morning before he began his work. Early one morning, he was walking along the shore after a big storm had passed and found the vast beach littered with starfish as far as the eye could see, stretching in both directions. Off in the distance, the old man noticed a small boy approaching. As the boy walked, he paused every so often, and as he grew closer, the man could see that he was occasionally bending down to pick up an object and throw it into the sea. The boy came closer still, and the man called out, Good morning. Can I ask what you're doing? The young boy paused, looked up, and replied, I'm throwing starfish into the ocean. The tide has washed them up onto the beach, and they can't get back to the sea themselves. When the sun gets high, they will die, unless I throw them back into the water. The old man replied, But there must be tens of thousands of starfish on this beach. I'm afraid you're not going to make much difference. The boy bent down, picked up yet another starfish, and threw it as far as he could into the ocean. Then he turned, smiled, and said, made a difference to that one. I read a thing on Facebook this week which said, the grass might be greener on the other side, but if you water your grass, it will be just as green. If we can learn to see the significance of where God has placed us, if we can have our eyes open to the ways God is at work in those places, if we can water our own little patch of grass, we will see that it is just as green as everywhere else, just as much potential for throwing starfish into the ocean. Don't go or not send. And don't say what you're not told. Jesus gives his disciples a very simple message. 
kingdom of heaven is near. Not the kingdom of heaven is near and it's all lovely. Not the kingdom of heaven is near and you can do what you like. Not the kingdom of heaven is here and join us if you want to, but it doesn't really matter if you don't. He doesn't give them hints as to how to change their message to suit each different group they come across or when people aren't going to like what they've got to say. The message is simple. The kingdom of heaven is near. They're supposed to demonstrate that truth by healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, casting out demons, but they are all simply illustrations of the same truth. The kingdom of heaven is near. So often we felt it necessary to dress the gospel up or dumb it down. We big up the fact that God loves everyone and wants everyone to be with him in heaven. We play down the significance of sin and don't talk about hell at all. When other Christians do, we wince and hope no one thinks we believe the same. But we have a gospel to proclaim. A gospel that doesn't need apologizing for. A gospel that speaks of love and justice, grace and mercy. We don't need to add anything to it or take anything away. But in the same way that the disciples had a message and ways to illustrate that message by healing the sick and so on, we're called to illustrate our message by the lives we lead. Well, we might not all be healing people raising the dead and casting out demons on a daily basis. The things we do and say should proclaim the gospel every minute of every day, wherever we are. They should also not add or take anything away from that gospel. Don't say what you're not told. The fourth instruction is don't take what you don't need. Verse 9, Jesus tells the disciples, do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff for the worker is worth his keep. When we were still in the northwest, several of the men in our church took part each year in the walk of a thousand men. And I don't know whether it happens down here, whether anyone's heard of it. I haven't heard of it in the seven years I've been down here. But it is a national thing. And it's a mission walk which is aimed to involve clearly a 1,000 men. And they walk out into villages, and they go in groups, and it, it seems to involve spending a lot of time in the pub, as far as I can work out, um, apparently sharing the gospel with the men they meet. And they hand out beer mats that have got the gospel on. But the really key instruction for the men as they go out in groups is that they should take no money with them and make no arrangements accommodation. They genuinely, genuinely rely on the Lord to provide them with food and somewhere to sleep. They walk into a village, find a Christian, stay with them. And I have never heard of any of the men on that walk ever spending a night without a bed or a meal. Now I have slight reservations about whether that's testing God or not, but it's certainly trusting him. And I think that's what's behind this instruction. It's a demonstration of faith and relying on him for what is needed for the work. <laughs> if the disciples were to go with enough money, enough clothes, enough of everything they needed for what laid ahead, they wouldn't need to rely on God. And not feeling the need to lean on God for the practical things very easily leads 
not feeling the need to rely on God for spiritual things. So while I'm not convinced that the instruction about not having any money or spare clothes applies when we're sharing the gospel, we can easily fall into the trap of thinking that in order to share the gospel properly, we need a course to take someone to, or a famous speaker to invite them to listen to, or a cleverly constructed tract to give to them. And I think that's where this instruction applies. The truth is that while courses and speakers and tracts and everything else can help as part of someone coming to accept the gospel of truth, the reality is that each of us has everything we need if we have the gospel. None of us need to feel inadequate or unequipped for the gospel work God is calling us to. Don't take what you don't need. Finally, don't stay where you're not welcome. Jesus says, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Jesus uses an image here that would have been very familiar to the disciples. The Jews believed the actual physical land of Israel was so holy that when they left a Gentile town or city, they would literally shake the dust from their feet before they walked onto Israel's land so as not to contaminate it with Gentile soil. They weren't even allowed to import herbs from Gentile areas because they would bring with them soil on the roots. So when Jesus tells them to shake the dust off their feet as they leave a town that won't listen to them, he's saying... They are as unholy as the Gentiles, and punishment will fall on them that is really harsh, worse than what fell on Sodom and Gomorrah. And Paul does this in Acts 13. Paul and Barnabas were in Pisidian Antioch and had been drawing large crowds who were eager to hear the gospel. The Jews in the town were really jealous and were trying to contradict everything Paul said. And eventually they stirred up all the influential men and women in the town to have Paul and Barnabas thrown out. Acts 13.51 says, So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Shaking the dust from their feet here is more symbolic than anything else. But the warning to those who saw it would have been clear. God will punish you for your rejection of the gospel. The disciples weren't filled with joy because these people would be punished. But they were able to be filled with joy by the Holy Spirit because they had done everything God asked of them. They didn't need to feel guilty about walking away. There was no sense that they should have done more or stayed longer or tried harder. They had done all they could. It had been rejected. When Jesus sent out the twelve, he warned them that this would happen. And they were to respond in the same way. Do what they could and then leave. It's not easy to walk away. Because the majority of the people we will spend our time and energy trying to draw into the kingdom are people we love. They're our family and our friends. They are the people we spend the most time with and we want them to turn to Jesus because we love them. 
And that's exactly how Jesus felt when he looked at Israel and saw a people without a shepherd. He loved them desperately, and he wanted them to accept him and turn back to God. But even Jesus walked away from towns whose people would not listen to him. So we shouldn't be surprised when it happens to us. When I was 18, shortly after I became a Christian, my best friend in the whole world was a guy called Stuart, and I I loved him to pieces, and I desperately, desperately wanted him to love Jesus. So I talked to him about Jesus, and he told me he wasn't interested. And I talked to him about my new faith. He told me he was pleased for me, wasn't interested. And I talked to him about my church and how exciting it was to be part of it. And he asked me to stop talking about it. And then it was his birthday. It was the end of the summer, and we were both going to uni, and I felt like I was running out of time. So I bought him a book. Can't remember what book, but I know that I bought it because I thought it would explain the gospel better than I could. I gave Stuart his present at the party, and he opened it there and then. He asked me to leave. And I haven't seen him or spoken to him since. I pushed and I pushed till I pushed him away. What I should have done was back off and just been his friend. There will be times for each of us when we have to just back off. It doesn't mean ending the relationship. It doesn't mean we have to turn our back on them or stop praying for them. And it doesn't mean that this is necessarily the end for them. God may have other people planned, put in their path. I don't know who God has put in Stuart's path. Maybe never will. But outstaying our welcome never wins hearts. Don't stay or not welcome. So five instructions, not a surefire list of things that work 100% of the time, but a guide for how not to do evangelism. We stick with them, might just not mess it up. Don't pray if you won't go. Are you prepared to follow where God is leading? Are you sure? Don't go where you're not sent. Find out where God is actually calling you and go there, not where someone else is going. Don't say what you're not told. Don't elaborate or water down the gospel. It is perfect as it is. Don't take what you don't need. Rely on God to give you the words. The gospel is enough. And don't stay where you're not welcome. There is a time to walk away, filled with joy and the Holy Spirit in the knowledge that you have done what God has asked you to do. The road will not be easy. The crowds are not likely to flock to you. Just like starfish on the shore, you make the difference to one heart. You've made all the difference in the world. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would have our ears open to hear from you. Where is it you are calling us to? Help us to be people who are prepared to go to those places. Help us to trust in you, rely in you for everything we need. Trust that the gospel is enough, that it doesn't need changing or fancy programs. But as it is, it is perfect.
And Father, help us to realize when we are outstaying our welcome, when we are pushing too hard. Help us to recognize those times when we need to take a step back. Just withdraw. Father, our attempts at sharing the gospel with our friends and our family, our neighbors and our work colleagues are so often fumbling and and floundering. Know that you will use our fumbling words. You will use our attempts to share the gospel, bring glory to your name. Father, help us to see making a difference to one heart. It's all the difference in the world.